0: Welcome to the Hot Lava Podcast. My name is Kevin AC, Padres beat writer for the Union Tribune. Jay Posner, sports editor of the Union Tribune. Padres just swept the Rockies their fourth sweep in 15 series this year. They swept four of 52 series in 2019. It is a different year. It is a different kind of team. They are 28 and 17, 15 games to go. Jay, we can talk magic numbers, but in my opinion... Uh, which, by the way, their magic number is 12 over the Giants for second place. It's somewhere around 10, 11 for a playoff spot. Um, it's a little complicated to get into magic numbers. What we can talk about is most of these uh, metrics, that the people, be it ESPN, fan graphs that figure these things out, have the Padres uh, baseball reference at 99.9% to make the playoffs.
1: Yeah, I saw that ESPN even had them at 100%, which I thought was a little – Maybe a little bit over, over surrounding, yes. the, exactly. Um, their magic number is also 12 to be eliminated for the division title, just to keep that in mind that, you know, everyone keeps saying, oh, why are you looking back? You should be looking ahead. Well, it's just, to me, it's just as close. And as we've said all along, the key is to get into the playoffs. And I, I don't think catching the Dodgers is – I have never thought it was realistic i still don't think it's realistic i also don't think it means all that much at this stage of the season and especially with the way the playoffs are going to be conducted the padres are very likely to get a three home games a best two out of three at home before they go off to a bubble play the dodgers and i really the only difference in that that would be a five game series i believe division yes Division series so the dodgers would have quote home field advantage which would mean they get to hit last in 3 of those games. That's really about the only difference right. at this point other than the quality of a first round opponent like, been... like we talked about right. last time. It doesn't mean the Padres shouldn't be trying to win the division and if they, you know, sweep the Dodgers next week then maybe they'd have a chance, but it feels like the you know the Dodgers just keep getting to beat up on the Diamondbacks right now, which is what the Padres did earlier in the year and and the Dodgers probably look at it like the Padres get to beat up on the Rockies, which they just did. Padres 7 and 3 I believe against the Rockies this year is how they finished which very unusual to have, for the Padres to do that well against the Rockies but as as we've seen Kevin this is a different Padre team and we've I mean we've seen it all year but it, the last couple of nights were typical where uh you know that we went out uh I was out there with you on Tuesday night and uh I w- I was thinking the Padres were going to start barring me from Petco Park, when they fell behind three nothing, the other two games I went to this year they lost, and but before you knew it, five runs in the first, five runs in the second, that game was over. Last night they fell behind briefly, and bottom of the first inning, they're back in front again. It's just a, it's just a different team, and it, I, I'll be honest, it takes a little getting used to. You, you know, to to think, oh, you know what, just because they're losing, it doesn't mean the game's over.
0: Yeah, it's like you were talking about. It's uh, unusual for them to go seven and three against the Rockies. There's so many unusual things. Um, I'm always uh, pointing out how superior the Dodgers are in so many ways and how difficult they are to win. And one of those ways, it's impossible to put them away. How many times have you actually seen, especially later as the Padres did start recently, as the Padres did start to shrink the gap in 2018, more in 2019. um, But the Dodgers would win because they would score in the latter innings. Well, that's something the Padres are doing now be it against a starter or once they get to the bullpen. And that is the trait of one of the traits of of a winner. Um, To your point about catching the Dodgers. So do you remember August 16th, Tommy Pham broke his handmaid bone. Day earlier, Kirby Yates had gone on the uh, injured reserve list. That August 16th game against uh, the Diamondbacks in Arizona that that Tommy Pham exited the final batter of the game, the Padres lost their fifth straight they fell under 500. They were headed to Texas. They are 17 and five since then. Right. Of course, the Dodgers are 16 and five. <laughs> and the team coming to town for four games now is 15 and six. That's the San Francisco Giants.
1: This division
0: is, is bonkers.
1: It is. And that is really, if you think about it, the last thing you said about the Giants record is way more unfathomable <laughs> than anything else. I mean, we knew the Dodgers were going to be really good we thought the padres would be good i mean maybe not quite as good as they'd been but we knew they were going to be good what in the world is with the giants i mean they they were they were awful early in the year i mean the, the padres bullpen we we saw them what in late july padres won 2 out of 3 up at oracle park uh blew the bullpen blue leads two nights in a row and then the padres came back and won in the 10th inning on the uh, on one of those games but the Giants did not look like a very good team. Gabe Kapler was just being ripped beyond ripping by people up there. You know, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. I mean, obviously, he's following a legend uh, in Bruce Bochy. And all of a sudden, you know, the playoffs start today. The Giants, I think, are the seventh seed uh, and, and playing either the Braves or the Cubs in the first round. So I'm not sure what exactly has gotten into him. I mean, obviously, Mike Yastrzemski, has been tremendous. Saw something the other day that he hit a, his eighth two-strike home run of the year this year, which leads baseball. That's pretty impressive. I, I was looking at the pitching Trevor Cahill tonight. You know, journeyman guy. Don't think of him in general. Johnny Cueto pitches tomorrow. Good pitcher throughout his career, but his ERA this year is four and a half. After that is Kevin Gaussman on on Saturday. And then Sunday is Logan Webb. And the, the, the great thing about Logan Webb is he pitched eight games last year for the Giants, and he had a 5.22 ERA. He's pitched nine games this year for the Giants, and he has a 5.23 ERA. So very consistent, uh, Logan Webb. But you would think the Padres have the advantage in terms of the rotation in all four of those games, which, of course, doesn't necessarily mean anything once they play. But you would you would like the Padres' chances in all four of those games if you just looked at, at the starting pitching.
0: Uh, The Giants are hitting the heck out of the ball. Brandon Belt has uh, moved into being a uh, MVP candidate. Uh, I don't know that he would get one of my uh, top 10 votes. He's he's largely a a platoon player these days. Uh, But I'll tell you what, they must have been playing a lot of teams that uh, he could hit against. Because uh, in their run here of these uh, 21 games for them since August 17th, He's leading the uh, national league in virtually every offensive category. it's It's absolutely insane. So and I think they got to the beat up on the Rockies a little bit, just as the Padres did here recently. Uh, certainly it is when you play a team. I think they got to play the uh, the Diamondbacks. Um, so the Padres though, are the kind of team this year that you say,, it's hey, cool. They should do well against these pitchers. Yeah, they probably will. Uh, We'll see. I think their magic number over them is 12. You can really with three out of four. I mean, you can really set the Giants back and start to. Think, no matter what happens in the series after this, which is the Dodgers next Monday, Tuesday, right. Wednesday at Petco, really start to think about setting your rotation up and start looking at what is your pitching staff as a whole going to look like for the playoffs. So I think that's the importance of this series is how comfortable can you get by winning, say, three out of four.
1: Right. And winning three out of four would cut the magic number in half uh, against the Giants yep. down from, from 12 to six. I, I mean, honestly, the, the biggest thing is just don't get swept. Uh, in this in this situation, even if you were to even if you were to lose three out of four, you would still have a, a you'd still have a two game lead in the loss column. Might get a little bit nervous, but I, I think I think the Padres. I mean, even if they struggled over the next week, which there's no reason to think they will, but there's still plenty of they don't need to win that many more games to get to the playoffs. The big thing is if they can keep that uh, distance between them. And the Giants, then they can start to, as you said, start to really play around with what do we want to do for the postseason? Who do we want to start? Who do we want to have ready to go uh, on the 29th, which I believe would be game one of the series, whether it's 29th or 30th? But how do we want to have the rotation set up for those three games against the, the Phillies or whoever else is going to be here?
0: I really do think for this team, too, that that, and I'll tell you in a minute why I agree with you wholeheartedly, also, that it's not so important that they like stay this hot or something. But I do think for this team, which is so new to winning um, yeah. and, and, and so new <laughs> and all year coaches and, and uh, veteran players, Jace Tingler, Talked about playing loose, and that was when they when they weren't winning so much. You know, they were hovering right. around five hundred and that stuff. And now you see that they are, and there's this belief, and how contagious that can be for a team like the Padres. And I'm not talking about your dreaded momentum, Jay. I'm talking about <laughs> like the because that can end any night, right? Uh, yeah. Logan Webb on Sunday could go throw a no hitter, and what happened to the Padres? You know, momentum. Um, right. But but it is important to this team that they. Continue to believe uh, who they are. Now, the reason that maybe, hey, you hit a little bit of a rough patch. Not only have they become such a new team, a quarter of the players on their active roster right now weren't with them when they arrived in Colorado.
1: Uh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know, some of them weren't with them when they left Colorado 10 days yeah. ago. They're going to get Eric Hosmer and Tommy Fan back. So let's say they, they struggle here. They're going to get another shot in the arm. Uh, maybe the last week or uh, the second to last week of the season, the final 11 games that they play in those are eight games. They play in 11 days. They're going to get a couple veteran guys who they absolutely believe in, who have still continued to be around to be a part of the team while they're injured. And so, you know, I really do think that this team and and the people I've talked to, including this morning in the organization, not like they're cruising into the postseason, but that's where their mindset is now.
1: I really think one one positive and along with what you said, in terms of continuing to play well and you know whatever that means over the next week against the Giants and the Dodgers with these seven games, you know, if you go four and three, three and four, five and two, whatever whatever the case may be, I, I think one thing that might do, and if you can you can keep a distance between yourself and the Giants, is, Hopefully, that means you don't feel like you need to rush Tommy Pham back or rush Eric Hosmer back. I think I think that's one area where I look at it and think it'd be great as a as for the Padres to have those two guys ready for the playoffs. I, I think you can also, if you to me as the amateur doctor uh, from having watched sports all these years, I really think rushing them back would not be a a good thing. There's no reason that they need to feel like they have to play next week. Um, They just need to get some at-bats before the postseason. And, you know, you're dealing with hand injuries with both of those guys. Uh, I I think, you know, those are so dangerous when you're dealing with guys trying to swing the bat as much as they do. And look, it's not just swinging the bat four times in a game. It's all the swings in batting practice and and everything else. So I, I really would hope, you know, that the Padres would be cautious with both those guys. There's no need to rush them back. Just be able to get them enough at bats so that when the, when the postseason comes around, they're ready to go. I also think it's interesting, and we can sort of switch into the pitching mode here, so much competition right now oh, man. for the postseason roster. I mean, not just the three or four starting spots that you're going to need, but in the bullpen as well. Um, you know, Pagan is eligible to come back today, I believe. Right. Yes. And then, you know, you had Alta, Alta Villa pitching in the seventh inning last night, looking really impressive. I mean, guys throwing 98 right past Trevor story on a couple of those pitches. So there's another guy you can throw in to the, the quote rotation in the bullpen along with, you know, for late inning work. And then that doesn't even count some of the guys that you have for early on. I mean, you know, with guys like Strom and Tim Hill, where you already Adrian Morahone has looked gone. phenomenal. Adrian, yeah, Adrian Morahone's looked great. There's three lefties right there that we just mentioned, four righties in terms of Altavia, um, or I guess not, uh, not Pomerantz, not, but I, I've lost track of lefties and righties. But <laughs> there's a lot of guys that they have, Pagan, uh, Rosenthal, Altavia, You've got, you know, the left side, you've got Pomerantz and Strom and Hill and Morahone. so it's that's four lefties. I'm sure I've left out a couple of righties that are really obvious that you'll remind me of um, right now. But there are a lot of pitchers and not that many spaces that are right. going to be available. They don't need it's 15 pitchers in the playoffs.
0: Especially when they're going to move a couple starters there, or, you know, at least have them tentatively there, uh, depending on how you're going to work that and, and piggyback. And I would think right now you're going to go, you're going to start a series with Clevenger based on his experience. And of course... That will depend on the next couple starts, perhaps, because if Nelson Lamette is showing you that he consistently is being a guy that is going to give you six shutout innings or whatever at the start of a, of a right. game, then right. you're going to put you're you're going to forget, and it'll be easy for Jay Stingler since he wasn't here. You're going to forget how wild and inconsistent this guy can be because that's not who he is anymore. So maybe I'm wrong and it's not Clevenger, but I think that's that's who it is. But you're going to try and go Clevenger, Lamette, Davies, and. You know, that's just how it is, I, I guess, unless Richards and, and Paddock really changed some minds here in the last couple of weeks. But then you're going to have those two guys down in the bullpen. And so there really isn't uh, a lot. And you're going to want to have flexibility on your bench. Uh, so you're going to get Campusano back and you're going to start setting up, uh, you know, a little bit more there.
1: Right. Pierce Johnson's another guy I left out as a uh, a right hander. I'm not, you know, guys like Guerra and Stammen, I wouldn't think. We would see uh, in the postseason, but but certainly a Pierce Johnson would be uh, added to that to that mix. And I, I don't know. I mean, I you know Clevenger looked great the other night after the first inning. How enthused are the Rockies to be hitting when it's when it's ten to three or whatever? Not sure, but yeah. I mean, I, I think it's really between him and Lamed and Davies. Th- those three guys seem to have the edge right now. But Garrett Richards pitched well, uh, really well in his last start, and I'm sure that you know Paddock going tonight is knows that he's sort of behind right now in the race and if and if he wants to be a big part of the postseason he's going to have to put together a couple of really good starts here um, against the Giants and the Dodgers over the next week
0: not that I'm here to give a pep talk to uh, Chris Paddock or anything but let's say he's going to the bullpen which you know gosh it would certainly seem like right now I kind of think that you see a a lot of times in the postseason where a guy like that could pitch uh, have an important role in a game oh, sure. because because Garrett Richards starts game four or something of the division series and you know all of us they go it's the two outs in the fourth inning and they say yeah all right and Chris Paddock comes in for three. And yeah. you're like, wow, Chris Paddock was the hero of this game. And and for a team that hasn't had a lot of wins in the postseason and is playing in this theoretical game four, I would think that Chris Paddock would be viewed as something of a hero in that situation. Yeah. So there's a no, – It could and, be.
1: and I mean, there's a question on here about having Morahone open because, you know, the Dodgers can struggle against lefties. You know, that's another possibility. I mean, there's just so many different ways to approach – Great uh, point. that they're going to be able to figure, you know, that they're going to work on over here in the next couple of weeks. And that's why I say it's important to keep that distance between themselves and the Giants. Don't let the Giants leave here thinking that they have a chance. Um, You know, win three out of four, you've pretty much eliminated the Giants. And now you really can focus on, you know, working guys out and and sort of experimenting a little bit. Um, And and maybe even getting guys a rest. Um, Well, the beauty of... Yeah, With the boundaries. I know they have yeah. those off days, I guess, where you don't even need to to give guys a rest because they've got the they've got the yeah. rest built in. But I was gonna say if you could give Tatis a day, give Machado a day, uh, those guys have been out there, you know, Trent Grisham, those guys have been out there every day. I, I'm not sure I want to rest Will Myers. Um <laughs> I, I think the way Will Myers is going right now, you just let Will Myers go and uh and and let Will Myers be Will Myers and uh You know, that was a guy we talked about early in the year and in the offseason, and it was so much what's going to happen with Will Myers. They really need Will Myers to be good. Well, look what's happened. Will Myers has been really, really good, uh, you know, for 45 games so far.
0: He's played well in the right field. I know there have been a couple times where, you know, whatever. In Oakland, the grass was weird the other night or last night. I think it was he made a late error that was inconsequential. But uh, he's mostly been really good. He is so locked in, and that's been a thing that they've worked on for so long. And I just do think – and and look, the reality is – a 60 game season does not make you say Will Myers is is back but if Will Myers can can take into the next 162 game season the mentality that he has maintained and been unable to maintain for 40 however many he's played 41 or 42 games he's never been right. able to have a stretch like this where he is that locked in if he can do that then it will translate to 162 um it's
1: uh, it's been pretty darn impressive it, it really has well, I mean, you look at the, the offensive guys. I was thinking for a minute last night, like, man, Myers, you could even make a case he's he's starting to gain as, as almost an offensive MVP uh, at this point. Still not as good as Tatis, still not as good as Machado. But if if the way Will Myers – and even, I mean, I probably put him ahead of Cronenworth right now. But it's funny. You look at it, and if Will Myers, as good as he's played this year in an OPS almost at 1,000 right now – uh, I think 994 was the last I I saw late last night. If Will Myers is your third best offensive player right now, that's a pretty good offense you've got. Uh, you know, with, with if he's number three, and that doesn't even factor in, uh, like I said, Cronenworth and you know Hosmer when he's healthy. Uh, you, you know, Trent Grisham. So it's an Austin Nola, uh, you know, coming in. So it's been a. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's certainly been an impressive offense so far and, and the pitching as well. And it's easy to see why they're 28 and 17 when you look at some of the numbers.
0: Yeah, I, I'm not a, a Will uh, apologist. OK, I am. <laughs> but it's not his fault they gave him $20 million a year and well, decided to make not. him the voice, the face, the leadoff hitter, the second hitter, the third hitter, the fourth hitter. Will Myers was pretty honest a few years ago that he's a role player a very, very, very good and well-compensated role player who needed to be better and more consistent. But this is what, like, good teams look like. Good te- You know, really good teams have a Fernando Tatis and a Manny Machado. And I have been looking a little bit more deeply at the MVP race since I have an MVP vote. And I've tried to break it down. I've made my case in my head. I was going to write about it uh, for Manny Machado based on the clutch hits the game winning hits the game altering hits uh, because he does that more than anyone on the team and really mm-hmm. as much or more than most people in the league and but the for team. now statistics ours yeah. is so far and away better than anybody else's on the team that uh, I'm pretty sure I'm gonna eventually come to the conclusion that it, that it's it's him uh, and thank you Jacob I'm a will apologist too <laughs> uh, you know, I mean even a guy who makes 20 mil. And uh, you know, disparages West Coast Mexican food needs an apologist every <laughs> once in a while.
1: Well, don't apologize for the Mexican food part because uh, uh you don't wanna you don't wanna go down that road. But but certainly what he's done on the field and and with in relation to Tatisa Machado, there's still two weeks left, you know, two and a half weeks uh-huh. to go. And you know, there's no reason to to be filling out ballots yet and you never know what's uh, uh Did you not read the happen? newsletter
0: day? I said that I don't look Always. until the final week. Come on. Um uh, but it, it, it's fascinating because I'm constantly looking at these things and the different and right up there every time, and it finally made me go: Do I need to stop ignoring Will? Uh, because <laughs> you know, he's at least in the conversation, and that's amazing. I forget I saw a few things pop up today that the Padres have five or six guys that are you know leading in, or in the top twenty or top ten in like virtually every advanced metric there is that kind of tell you uh, where. they are in relation to others. And I'm going to do again later this week, as I did uh, last week or after the trade deadline in the newsletter, another look comparing the Padres and the Dodgers because Will Myers talked about it the other day and he verbalized what I had verbalized is basically it had been a joke to compare the two teams uh, previously. And it is no longer a joke. When you go here's this team and all of their advanced metrics and here's this team, uh, the Padres are right there. We don't want to get ahead. I just got in my head. Maybe we talk about the Dodgers series, but let's not do that. No, we got time. We'll,
1: we'll go crazy. We'll, crazy. we'll yeah. Monday. I do want to mention both Lamed and Davies are, have ERAs under two and a half as well. So you throw that in to the offense and then you throw in you know a reliever like Drew Pomerantz who hasn't even given up a run yet this season and you add a Trevor Rosenthal. And again, it's easy to see why. You know, people are excited about the Padres at this stage, this is, and this is a good. And I'm looking forward to this weekend. And you know, the Giants have been so good, and I haven't had a chance to watch them play much, and and eager to see them, uh, uh, eager to see them come in and and give the Padres a test and see you know see where both teams stand at this point.
0: This is how it works, like the bullpen trend and and the high velo guys coming in. That's great, and I know the Yankees, the Rays, uh, a lot of teams have have. Been very successful with this. But you know what else, like what most playoff contenders have? They got starters going six and seven innings. And mm-hmm. since the bullpen, in this nine and three run, the Padres bullpen has the second lowest ERA in the majors over the past 12 games. All right, I think it's the 28th of August. Because during that time, the Padres rotation has the second lowest ERA in the majors, and they've been going I think it's five and two-thirds innings on average, whereas previously they've been going four and two-thirds innings on average. So when Jace Tingler doesn't have to go, who am I, how do I get through the sixth? He just has to go, how do I get through the seventh, eighth and ninth, huge difference, huge.
1: And even like I said, if Pagan comes back tonight, that's another option to, uh, to go in there. So anyway, Kevin, have a great weekend. See you out, I'll see you out there for one of the games and uh, hope everyone uh, enjoys their weekend as well. And we will come back on Monday and we'll talk about what happened. And of course, we'll look ahead to the Dodgers series. Take
0: care.